Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, everyone. I hope you've had a good week. I've got some great news again following on from last week, and we're looking at how we get to know God and uh, living God's way. You know, we have a saying in global, you know, to be successful in life, we must have God's word, live God's word, God's way. And you don't get what you want by doing just what you want. You get what you want by putting God first and surrendering to him and just saying, Lord, you know what's best in my life. Now, can you help me make some wise choices and decisions? You know, we get wisdom from reading the Bible. The Bible contains God's mind for his people, how to get the best out of life, how to get the best out of relationships. So we live God's word, God's way. And of course, we're not perfect. And of course, we get things wrong. So nobody's claiming perfection here. But our aim constantly, and the reason why we, we raise up the standard of the Bible in our lives is because we've done it our way for so many years. You know, we've done it God's way for, for many years now. And God's ways are better than ours. Isaiah 55 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And you know, the more you live by God's word, as you start to honour God's word, put it into your, your life, miracles happen in your, in your world. God puts the super on your natural and you'll start to see supernatural things happening. But please don't pray for God to fry the eggs <laughs> or whatever when you're cooking. You know, sometimes we just need to serve and, and, and love and stuff like that. But other times God puts his super on our natural and it multiplies and great things happen in our life and in our world. And in the life and the world of our kids, you know, our children, even when we're not with them, if they may go to a, a party, I'm not talking wild kids, I'm talking, you know, five, six, seven, eight year olds. When they go to a party, God can look after them. And, you know, kids get up to all sorts of stuff. You know, God has a way of looking after your kids when you're not there. Puts the super on your natural. So anyway, we've been looking at God chose you. We've been looking at what God did in order to win our salvation, to accomplish our salvation. And now today I want to have a look at our response to that. What is our response? You know, I finished last week with an amazing hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. You know, it's just a great song and it finishes. I've just given you the, the, the beginning of the first verse. The end of the last verse is where the whole realm of nature mine. If I owned all this, he said it would be an offering or a gift far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life and my all. And I want to have a look at what we do in order to receive this salvation. So today I want to call it the turning point. Uh, it's a turning point when we, we turn from our past life and take hold of our new life in Christ. So today really the turning point is what you and I have to do in order to receive this great salvation. So far we've found that God chose us from the foundations of the earth, having set his love on us. He took action to free us from our sin and to bring us back to himself. But God's salvaging of the human race requires a response from us. And the language in the New Testament is the language of cooperation. 
It's not contribution, it's cooperation. We don't contribute to the salvation that God's got for us. It's already finished. We just receive it, yeah? Peter, a close friend of Jesus. Peter had foot and mouth disease. He was putting his foot in it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone was identifying with him. Peter wrote, he says, make to, he wrote to early church plants. And he said to the disciples, he said, make your calling and election sure. It's something we have to do. God doesn't do that for us. Jude wrote, this is Jude, this is Jesus, one of his brothers. Uh, Jude wrote, keep yourself in the love of God. You keep yourself in the love of God. How do we do that? It's by meeting together with other believers, by reading the word, by praying and keeping in contact with God. Keep yourself in the love of God. I want a church where people are self-feeders, not waiting to be tucked up every night by a leader going, uh, I just need this and I just need that. No, no, no. Let's become strong in the Lord. Let's become strong in our faith. When Jesus died and rose again, he completed the whole work of salvation on the cross. And right, you know, before he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, you know what he said? It is finished. He'd done it. And it was a victory cry. It wasn't a whimpering out of this world going, oh, I'm dying, I'm dying. Jesus, nobody took his life from him. He gave his life. There's a difference. He chose when to die, where to die, and how to die. I haven't time to go into that now. But he wasn't a victim. He was a victor at the cross. He, and he was victorious. He was the winner. He was our champion. Our cooperation doesn't add anything to the finished work of Jesus. It simply applies what Jesus has done for us into our lives now and we live in the good of it. Remember the story I told about the salt manufacturer talking with a Christian and the Christian sharing his faith with him. And then the manufacturer, the salt manufacturer says, I don't reckon too much to your Christianity. It's been around all these centuries and look at the mess of the human race. And at this point, they passed two or three children playing in the muck playing in the dirt at the side of the road. And the Christian says to him, well, what about your salt? I love Christians like this. We don't just take it, we can give some as well. <laughs> he goes, what about your salt? Replied the Christian. It's been around longer than Christianity. But look at the mess those kids are in. Ah, retorted the manufacturer, my salt is only effective when applied. That's exactly how it is with Christianity, came the answer from the Christian. You see, applying salt doesn't contribute to the finished product of the soap. It simply releases the power that's in the soap to clean and to clean us up. And it's the same with, with Christianity. When we apply the gospel to our lives, our cooperation releases its power to clean us up. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Beautiful. So, the main reading today is from Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 21. And the Apostle Paul's on his missionary journeys. And he said, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, elders, the leaders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. There's always resistance to planting churches. You know, 
that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. If Jesus, you know, so people ask the question, well, if Jesus died for all, why are not? Why is everybody not a believer? And the simple answer is, is that it's only effective for those who respond in the right way to the gospel message. And that's what Paul's burden is. He said, I didn't hold back on preaching anything that was helpful to you. And I feel like that. I'm always wanting to encourage and strengthen your faith. But you see, it's only words unless you get hold of it and put it into practice. And we need God's help to do that. We're so weak, aren't we, sometimes? But you know, from today onwards, I want to prophesy that this is the weakest you'll ever be. And from today onwards, you're going to be strong as you learn to repent. And, and as you learn to turn from your strength and your way of doing things and get hold of God's strength and his way of doing things. And you will become strong. You will. The story of the judge, I think I mentioned this last week, who find his friend. You know, his friend was down on his luck and the judge threw the book at him. The judge finding the heaviest fine and everyone's like, that were rough. I thought you were his friend. But you see, the judge didn't want to be accused of being unjust. He had to, somebody had to pay the full price. And, he, and, he, and then the judge took off his cloak and, and came down and he wrote the check. Yeah. And he paid the price for his, one of his close friends, for his, his misdemeanors, whatever he'd done wrong. Here's the thought. What if his mate had to say, hey, put your pen and your checkbook in your pocket. I don't want your charity. What would have happened then? It wouldn't have been a good story. I couldn't have been using it today. But I want to tell you, that's what so many people do when they hear the gospel. They say, I'm weak. It's like, I don't want God's charity. I don't believe there's a God. I can do it myself. And, and, and I've got some thoughts about God as well that he needs to hear from me. And... You see, it doesn't go smooth. Have you ever tried to share your faith and you think this is good news? And it's almost like you're telling them the worst thing in the world. Salvation is a gift that must be received. And so it's so heart-wrenching when family and friends don't get it. Have you experienced that yet? They don't get it. And you think, just I was thrilled to bits when my me, me, me oldest brother became a, a believer. This is going back about 12 years now. But I can remember when he became a Christian, he, you know, he was a character, let's put it that way, in my town. Everybody knew him. And a tough guy. He gave his life to Jesus Christ about 12 years ago. He is a changed man. He is well respected in the town and well trusted. It's humble. Nobody could have believed it. <laughs> but you see, Jesus changes everything. We have a saying, can a leopard change its spots? And I said, by itself, it can't. But with Jesus, anything's possible. Anything. Who's in your family that you think they're a tough guy? They, they'll never believe if I had to tell them. Do, do not, don't, don't even go there. Honestly, me talking to you, I would never have become a Christian, even less a church leader. Like, duh. You, you, you know, you, you'd never get me to be a church leader. Oh, man. Be like, sack it off. I don't know, but when Jesus gets hold of you, you think, ah, he's not about religion. He's about transformation. And 
you know, hope and a future. It's phenomenal. Did I say phenomenal? <laughs> Don't let lockdown get to you. Phenomenal. <laughs> Salvation's a gift. So there is a part for us to play in receiving our salvation. And it is one of cooperation with the Holy Spirit rather than contribution to our salvation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, the Apostle Paul puts it like this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in, in you to will and to do in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, you have to work out your salvation, fear and trembling, but it's God that's working in you. So we, as God works it in us, we work it out. We're not contributing, we're cooperating, yeah? It's not a DIY faith, isn't this? It's 100% God, and yet 100% cooperation from us. Put them two together, boom, you have transformation. It's an act of the will. When you hear the gospel that Jesus died for your sins, your mind might be convinced and your emotions may be stirred if the preacher's any good. If your will is not moved, <laughs> if your will is not moved, then the gospel will not have its effect in your life. It won't. Your will has to be challenged and changed. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. And in this story, Jesus illustrates what a powerful change can happen to a human being when his mind, emotions and will are engaged. They're all in alignment. They're all in agreement with each other. Jesus says of the prodigal son, he says, when he came to his senses, how many people need to come to their senses? We chase all sorts of things in life and they all let us down. We feel as empty now as we ever did. But it says when this young man, he'd slept around, he'd got drunk, he'd parted, he'd squandered all his father's wealth and he ended up eating pig food and working with pigs. He'd, he'd come so far down the social ladder and maybe I'm speaking to somebody like that today and you know something you can't change until you come to your senses. And when he says, Jesus said, when he came to his senses, he said, it's important what comes out of your mouth. He said, I will. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I will. It's an act of the will. Receiving salvation is an act of the will. It says, I welcome it in. God will not force himself into your life. We have to cooperate. And that was the turning point for the prodigal son. He came to his senses and he engaged his will and he said, I will. And today you need to engage your will. And some of you have been Christians for years, but you have not engaged your will. When it comes to God's, God's word and God's way, you've not engaged your will for years. You've just done your own thing. And it shows. Today could be the turning point in your life. Come on, come to your senses. I'm not against anyone today. I'm trying to challenge us. You know, like a coach would. He's like, give over morning, give over. You know, look at your life and let, you, let the pain of your life say to you, you need to change. Come to your senses and then return. I will set out and go back to my father.
Another word for this, for what this prodigal son's doing is to convert. In conversion, this decision of the will must be expressed in turning, in repenting towards God. You know, the old Roman armies, the legions, when they would march them in the barracks, and as they marched them, they'd go, repent, and they'd turn around, 180, and walk the other way. And when they marched to the other side of the drill, the drill patch, they had to like, turn around, repent. And repent means to turn around. We stop living life our way, going in the, the direction that we're going. And we go now in a new direction, in God's way, a new trajectory. So, in conversion, it's the decision of the will must be expressed in repentance towards God. And it's that, it takes faith. And so it's like we're repenting towards God. We're having faith in Jesus not just, yeah, Jesus, I believe, but Jesus as Lord, as the king of your life, the boss of your life. There's an interesting thought. You know, when people say they've been Christians for lots of years, have a look to see whether Jesus is the boss of the life or whether they've just learnt the language. And they just know to like, oh yeah, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, but there's no transformation in the life. Watch out for them people. You'll find them all over the show. And my challenge, if you're one of them people today, is repent. One of the most positive words in the Bible. Repent and turn to God and ask him to forgive you for being a blagger. <laughs> We've all been there. Ask him to forgive you and to give you reality, not religion. You say, I'm not religious, I'm a Christian. No, no, you are religious. You've turned Christianity into your own little religion. And I'm challenging you today and I'm exposing you and I'm saying, come on, you know, you've got to change. Because if you don't, you're left with yucky. You're left with like the right when you can have that dynamic of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for it for you. So we need to the, the decision of the will must be expressed in repentance towards God, faith in Jesus as Lord and confession of your faith to your friends and your family and your community. You say, what, I have to tell people about Jesus? <laughs> it's not a condition. And yet it's something that you will see. It's, it's a, it, it is an expression of God working in you. It will work out because you won't be able to keep it to yourself. You won't want to keep it to yourself when you've got genuine faith. When you haven't got genuine faith, you have to be told to go and tell people. But when you have got genuine faith, you want to. And you're also like, how can I make this so unreligious and so relatable that they get it and they get Jesus? That's, that's what we try to do. So let's have a look at them three things. Repentance, faith and confession. And we're ready to go. I've got to come in with these now. I'm coming into land. In our reading earlier, the Apostle Paul reminded us, reminded the elders and leaders, sorry, of, the, uh, of this new church plant in Ephesus, of how he had preached to the people in Ephesus, insisting that they must turn to God in repentance. The word repentance means to have a change of mind. You know, we repent every time, you know, you can change the genes that you were, you move from Levi's to something else, whatever something else is, I'm still stuck with Levi's. You know, you change your fashion, that's repentance. Change your washing powder. That's repentance. It's a change of mind. Yeah, it's not a religious word. It's a change of mind. Metanoia is the Greek word. He's handed to know a little Greek. I know this little Greek round corner and he's honestly amazing food. But moving on. We need to have this change of mind to do an about turn. 
Instead of rejecting or ignoring God like we've done all of our lives, we now turn to him and acknowledge who he is. That that will also mean a change of mind about ourselves, recognising that we are sinful, that we're selfish, that we're rebellious and desperately in need of God's salvation. So humbling, but it's so beautiful. So we change not just in our thoughts about God, but our thoughts about ourselves. And we are not God Almighty. Some of us are just God Almighty. <laughs> anyway, it's a change of mind that leads us uh, to have a change of direction in our life. Repentance is more than just thinking that I'm wrong or saying that I'm wrong. It's actually moving into a new direction, saying I'm going to do something about it. Matthew 21, verses 28 to 31. These are great, great words from Jesus. He told this parable to show the difference between people that just use words and people that do something. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went, into, he went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Great question from Jesus. And the Pharisees, the religious people who were good at talking about it, but didn't live it. They said the first one, the first one did what the father wanted. And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Jesus is addressing hypocrites, people who say one thing and live another. And watch out for people like that in church. You'll find it in, in life, generally. The life's full of blaggers, believe me. But Jesus is, is, is showing us that, you know, a son's first reaction is now I'm not going to go. Then he changes his mind and does it. And that's a picture of us. Now we don't want God. I don't want... Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my life. And then we change and we're entering the kingdom of heaven. Come on. Maybe you're on the lip of coming into the kingdom of heaven. Today I'm saying, come on in. You will never regret it. Beautiful. In other words, following Jesus is not about saying the correct things. It's about living it. Living it out. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. But when... He saw, this is uh, John the Baptist, he was baptising people. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious elite and the political elite, coming to where he was baptising, he said to them, you brood of vipers, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Gosh, John was red hot. He blistered their pharisaical souls with his red hot words. You brood of vipers, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Have you produced fruit yet in keeping with the change in your life? John goes on to say, Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. That was the pedigree. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And often trees we use as a metaphor for human beings. And John saying, the axe is at the root of the trees. We have Abraham as our father. He's like saying, you're a born again Christian. 
and using it as a badge or a pedigree. It's like, I'm a born again Christian. Without having the corresponding actions. It's not wrong to be born again. We must be born again. But what I'm saying is, is the difference between saying it and knowing all the language but living it. The Apostle Paul says this, and I'm speaking now, I want to speak now to Christians who have been Christians a long time. This is for you, the life I now live, the Apostle Paul says. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live. Your faith yesterday, it can't help you today. How fresh is your faith? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul talks about test yourself to see if you're in the faith. And, and you need to do that because you're missing out. You are. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13, it's a powerful verse is this. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You see, in the world, before you're a Christian, if you did anything wrong, just went quiet about it. Don't, don't tell anyone. Don't. But when you become a Christian, you bring that darkness into the light and the power of it's broken. Yes, people find out that you're not what you were, what they thought you were. But who cares? That's just their opinion. What really matters is God's opinion of you. And God says, this is what Jesus said, the angels celebrate over one sinner who repents. Will you be that one sinner today? When I give my life to Christ, I had to say to God, I, did, I just confessed everything. All, all, all my town knew that I was a drunken woman, immoral, into porn, into drink, into everything. So it's like, but when I, when I spoke it all out, it's like, who cares? What really matters is that God accepts me now as I am. It's beautiful. He saw me in my sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He's not shocked. He wants to take us on as we are. So I challenge you today, come as you are. You, you can belong before you believe, but when you've been belonging for a while, why don't you just jump in? Come on, it's great in here. Repentance has three phases where we get convicted of our sins. And that's where we feel wrong about some of the things that we now do and think and say. And confession of our sins where we take responsibility and stop blaming other people and situations for what we've done. We take responsibility and say, I did it. And that, this is true repentance. It, it goes com conviction of sins, confession of sins, and then the correction of our sins, putting things right. And the story of little Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the man, the little man in the Bible, the Danny DeVito of the Bible, you know, he climbed a tree because he knew Jesus was coming past and he was hiding in the sycamore tree. And Jesus looked up and he went, Zacchaeus, called him by name. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must come to your house. And, you, you know, some people you think God doesn't see me. He doesn't know that I'm, oh, he knows you. And he calls you by name today. How do I know that? Because Zacchaeus thought Jesus couldn't see him. And yet Jesus calls him by name. He's got no favourites. Does the same with us. He calls you by name. And, and, and Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus stood up and he said, if I've stolen from anybody, I'll pay back four times. He was correcting his sins and renouncing the past. Repentance leads us to a new life, a new direction, a new morality, a new purpose and a new community. The church, not the church, the church, dynamic, amazing, full of people that are vibrant and on top of the game. And anything less than that is lazy Christians that can't be bothered. Can you see? You turn it into a religion. 
and you have no supernatural in your life. You're not allowed it. God won't give it. He only gives it when we repent. The Bible says this in Acts. It says, repent therefore that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's a word for some Christian that's been a Christian for donkey's years. And you know it's not happening for you. The dynamic is about to come on your life. The dynamic of the Holy Spirit. I'm excited for you. So, second of all, faith. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And in past generations, you know, people say, I'm doing my best, I'm trying to be a good person. Salvation is received by faith. It's not worked for. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. I've got to go on. I've got to finish. Believing in Jesus is not a... It is more of a heart thing than a head thing. And it leads you to committing your life to Jesus. Romans 10.10 For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and confess your faith and you are saved. If I'm unwilling to commit myself and submit myself to Jesus or give my allegiance to him and try to find words that are appropriate uh, so that he can rule over me I really haven't believed in him. If you're unwilling to commit yourself, try and help you out here to see where, where do you stand. Last of all, confession. Repentance, faith in Jesus and confession. True believer, true believing always results in you being able to speak freely about your faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. True faith expresses itself in prayer to God for your salvation. We pray every week for you to receive salvation. And it also expresses itself, true faith expresses itself in conversation to others for their salvation. Who are you sharing your faith with? Come on, direct your faith, direct your prayers. Chatting to others about your newfound faith in Jesus often has a profound effect on their lives and very often leads them to receiving salvation too. When we naturally share our faith with others, not like a religious freak, but naturally, it moves Jesus to confess us before the Father, to acknowledge us before the Father in heaven. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I also I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. How amazing is that? Why not take some time today to get along and review your past life before you believed in Jesus and ask yourself, have I renounced and turned away from all I know to be sin in my life? Ask the Holy Spirit for his help and his power to change and to overcome. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, examine yourself to see whether you're in, in the faith. Test yourselves. That's what he said. Ask yourself a question. Have I really committed myself to Jesus? Is he really Lord of every part of my life? And if you find any area where Jesus is not ruling because you're not surrendering it, ask him for his grace to help you 
to die to yourself and to live for him in those areas. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 